What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of High and Wide Radio. This is your host, Angry Jim, here as always with my co-host, Jack Smith. Jack, how are you? Doing all right, Jimmy. We're shorthanded tonight. We're missing Kyle. Kyle's on vacation. So, Kyle, have fun. We'll see you next week. We have a special guest tonight that Kyle's actually missing out on. It's okay. Me and Jack are here. We have Brandon Holmes, who writes for Dauber Prospects, as well as contributes to Draft Geek Hockey, uh, and has a site, has his own site, ridingpinehockey.com. Brandon, how you doing? Thanks for joining us tonight. Doing pretty good, guys. Thanks for having me. Anytime. So, um, Brandon, tell us a little bit about yourself. You, you were born in North Jersey. Uh, you're a fan of a specific hockey team up there, uh, them sh- that we shall not name. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you grew up in New York. How'd you get into hockey? How'd you get into writing? Well, uh, like you said, I grew up in, uh, in North Jersey. So um, I grew up a diehard Devils fan, went to a lot of Devils games with my dad growing up. And that was how I kind of got introduced to the game, followed the game my whole life. Um, and I always love just looking at the upcoming prospects, kids that are coming in the league, like the future stars of the game, really. And uh, as I got older, I started following uh, prospects and draft eligible kids more and more. And it eventually just grew into me writing my own stuff and uh, following these kids along with, you know, CHL games, USHL games, that sort of thing. And it's just gone to the point where now I'm writing for Dauber, like you said, and just got taken on by DraftGeek as well. So uh, it's an exciting time for sure, because this is kind of what I've always wanted to do is work on writing about these prospects. So, I mean, me and Jack were just looking over your work right before we started the show here. I mean, you're, you're doing great things. I mean, you're very knowledgeable. Uh, there's, there's definitely a lot of inf- information. So for all, everybody listening that's going to listen to this podcast, make sure you check out Brandon Holmes' stuff. It's really, really good, legit stuff, guys. Um, so we're going to be talking some prospects tonight. We're going to be talking, you know, uh, down on the farm in, in Lehigh Valley. We're going to be talking 2019 draft. Um, some of the guys who maybe graduated to the Flyers already. Uh, we're going to kickstart with, with the most recent thing in the 2019 draft. And, uh, uh, Jack, I'll let, I'll let you and Brandon take this over, man. It's your guys' forte. Yeah, I almost missed my cue because I'm reading his uh, site here, and uh, <laughs> I'm digging it. You <laughs> it's know? good I, stuff, I'm man. Like, it's addicting stuff. Just like, where, where was this? When, why couldn't we find this before the draft? But uh, <laughs> I really well, appreciate that, really. Yeah, I, I mean, it, I can't really talk about the Devils pick. It was kind of obvious. There's nothing really to talk about. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. Probably a generational player, so good for mm-hmm. you guys. Hooray. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but one thing that I do have to, just right off the bat, I have to ask you about because there was a lot of controversy around it. There seems to be two, two split right down the middle, Flyers fans, and that is the Cam York versus uh, Cole Caulfield battle. <laughs> so just let me just break it down like we were at the draft um flyers are on the clock Colefield's there at 11 they trade back they could they could pick up that second round pick they're at 14 and they still don't take Caulfield and they take cam york what was your initial reaction to that especially because you're you're a fan of a rivaling city well i honestly always thought cole Caulfield would be a good fit with the flyers just seeing how much they could really use that like elite high-end goal scoring winger and um but hearing the way that Cam York was talking after the draft, it sounded like he was really their guy from the beginning. So I think even if the Flyers stayed at 11, they probably still would have selected Cam York. So it was a good bit of business by them moving back a little bit and getting some extra draft capital and still getting Cam York, who's still an excellent prospect with like legitimate number two, number three defenseman upside. Um, so I don't think you could really go wrong with taking either of those Americans at that spot. 
Um, Cole Caulfield would have been my pick for sure, just because I think he has can't miss goal scoring potential with that shot. Um, but Cameron York, he reminds me a lot of Brian Rafalski, the things they could do along the blue line. So I think you guys still got a real high end prospect there. Dude, if, if I could cut in real quick, Jack's blood is boiling right now, Brandon. You don't even, you have no idea. <laughs> I, like, I can just imagine your face over there right now, Jack. I, I can picture, I'm picturing you with smoke coming out of your ears. Well, I'm handling myself because it was a, it was the a very reserved answer. Understandably so. You're a guest on a podcast. I understand. <laughs> but um, yeah, Colefield was my pick by far. I wasn't even sure he was going to make it out of the top ten. Um, I thought there was a chance because of the size. Maybe we I thought maybe we were getting past that with uh, right. the Brinkat and others. But you know, you know how guys are. One thing that really irked me was that people, you know, they were saying like, oh, the Flyers, they needed to replenish their defense core. And it's just, I guess what blows my mind about that is we have nothing but young defensemen. And there's even like Zamula can be considered a decent prospect at this point. I just didn't understand why they needed to immediately address it with their with Fletcher's first draft, first pick of his first draft. And there's two things that Flyers fans have been crying about for years. The obvious number one one was a goaltender, which we hope we got in Carter Hart. The number two was a sniper like winger, a scoring winger. We have haven't had that since Jesus. I can't even tell you. And it's it's just gift wrapped right there. And it just felt like they selected need over talent. You know what I mean? And I yeah. see I see you got York in your personal rankings ranked the twentieth. And Caulfield nine. Now that's a big, that's a big drop for the first round. You know what I mean? So that's what I, that's kind of what I was getting at. And I was just like, yeah, they sure they could both be good, but I think that Caulfield's going to be dynamic. You know what I mean? Like I, I think there's no doubt he'll play in the NHL. Where York, he'll have a cup of coffee at least. He could be good, but I really don't, I can't say. You know what I mean? So I don't I don't know. Maybe that's why my I was steaming because it was all set up right there. But yeah, I heard the same thing. It sounds like he was their guy. And looking back on Fletcher's drafts in the first round, he usually does go defenseman. And they, honestly, he does hit more often than not. Um, but yeah, I had to ask that because it just, I don't want to say it blew my mind because back in my mind, I kind of expected it. <laughs> but I don't know. When you don't take the best, like the best player available is my, you know, forte. And they're saying, oh, we did take the best player available. Yeah, well, obviously you're going to say that. But I think they drafted for need. And I don't think some of these other Flyers fans understand that. And they're just – now everybody's been bumping heads ever since. Right. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, like you said, I think the Flyers actually have very good depth on their blue line. So I was a little surprised to see them go with a defenseman at that spot. Um, like I said, I thought Caulfield would be a great fit because they could use that goal-scoring winger. Um but to your point, how I had Cam York ranked down at 20 in my own personal rankings, that was more so because like I don't really see like a guess like a dynamic speed or puck skills aspect to his game. But I don't think you can miss on that kid's smarts. I think he's going to be an NHL defenseman for sure. Um, he just seems destined to be a quarterback of top power play unit in the NHL with how he can just survey the zone from the top and um, really get the puck into uh, like your goal scoring forwards' uh, hands, like. Um, for example, like that's why he was such a great asset on that American team uh, was he could get the puck to a Cole Caulfield or to an Alex Turka or a Jack Hughes. Um, and he was really like an invaluable asset for that American team with how he could really just control the pace of play from the back end and on the power play. So 
I, I can absolutely understand the frustration with passing on Caulfield that I really still don't understand why he was still there at 15 for the, for the Habs. But um, I, I really would not be too dissatisfied with getting Cam York as your draft pick in the first round. Yeah, I mean that's good. That's good to hear. I'm glad to hear you say that. Does this, does it seem like so far his defensive game is holding up? Um, see, Cam York, see, he, he does have that size disadvantage a little bit, but what allows him to defend well in his own zone is that smart, those smarts that I touched on. He he knows how to take the proper angles to attackers to separate them from the puck with his stick. So I really wouldn't worry too much on, about the defensive side of his game because really, in, in terms of smarts go, he was maybe top 10 smartest players in the draft, in my opinion. Wow. Well, that's good. I think that goes a long way, especially nowadays. Um, well, that, you kind of alluded to this when you said we, we traded back. We uh, reacquired a second-round pick after we foolishly traded away a second and a third for a one-year meh defenseman coming off a down year. <laughs> Don't start, Jack. Don't start. Uh, by the way, our uh, Kyle did not miss today's podcast. He was suspended for being wrong against me last week. Um, that's a, neither here nor there. So, uh, yeah, they traded up with that pick and got Bobby Brink. And I like this pick simply because we didn't get Caulfield. But I've never heard a scout use the word hate to describe anything about a player. Even the Strom family and how bad their skating is, I never heard the word hate. And they're saying that about Bobby Brink. But they're also saying if his skating was even mediocre, he'd be like a top 20 guy. So what's your take on Bobby Brink? Well, I think the concerns on his skating ability are a little overblown. I wouldn't. I would never call him a bad skater. I think at worst he's probably about below average. But I think what gives people that concern with him is that skating. But really, the way he's going to create his offense is with his smarts and his vision with the puck, because he really was one of the best passers in this draft. Um, so I, I absolutely love that pick by the Flyers getting Brink in the second round, because I had him slated as a mid-first round kind of talent guy. Yeah, and I, I saw that on a few mocks, to be honest. With, yeah, right around the 22 to 27 range, I usually saw him going. Um, so you you project he'll uh, be an NHL player at some point? I think he has second-line upside for sure. I think if his skating was a little bit better, maybe you could see him maybe creeping into that territory where maybe he's a borderline first-line player. But um, the way he can just control play on the half wall with his vision and his passing ability, I think you could see definite second-line upside with really good power play value as well. Okay. I'll just ask you a few questions about some uh, non-related flyers in this first round. I see you had Puck Holzen ranked number three overall. Do you think he's going to be uh, that? I, I I liked him. Don't get me wrong, but you think he's going to be that good? I I was a card-carrying member of the Puck Holzen fan club in this this <laughs> draft. Um, I I that's who I haven't compared to in my book is exactly who I see in him, and that's Brad Marchand, and um, maybe not in like more of the the shady stuff Marchand pulls, but. He has that tenacious forechecking ability. He never quits on pucks. Um, he's one of the hard work, like hardest working players in this draft. And on top of that, he has incredible skill and can make these highlight real plays in tight and score just like phenomenal goals. Um, but then on top of that, like on top of being able to play um, down low and in front, not being able, afraid of going to those more grindy areas, he's a dangerous outside shooter as well. So I see definite star potential in Pod Colson. And um, I know he's a player that kind of faded as it got closer to the draft. Some people dropped him to maybe the bottom tier of the top 10 or even out of their top 10, but I really never wavered as him as my number three guy. 
That's okay. like the fourth or fifth show in a row where Brad Marchand was mentioned at some point. <laughs> isn't that kind of weird, Jack? Uh, I just, it is. I but just it's... found that kind of. Well, Brad a lot of it, a lot of it goes back to this, you know, certain style of players. Not that they're all as dirty as he is, but his style of play. Exactly. You can get a, you can get away with a lot of that now because you can't like. There's no, there's not a whole lot of goons anymore, and a lot of even Connect needs a mini Marshan, you know, like, a little bit. Yeah, he's he's yeah. a scrappy guy. So yeah, it just seems to be the way. Yeah, exactly, a small scrappy guy. You don't have Bashir coming in and cleaning his clock, so they get they do their thing. So and a lot of times it can be very effective. Um, yeah, love that expression so, by the way, clock clean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say two players' names. I want you to tell me if you would have taken either one of them over Caulfield or York. So Matthew Boldy and Peyton Krebs. Would you have taken either of those players over Caulfield? I still would have taken Caulfield just on how high end his goal scoring ability is. Like, I see Caulfield as a future forty goal scorer in the NHL. Holy shit! Where that's <laughs> not the first time I heard that, Jimmy. Yeah. I'm oh telling you. <laughs> but um, Matthew Boldy and uh, Peyton Krebs—they might be better play drivers in the future. But like, Cole Caulfield only needs one or two opportunities to really change a game with how how he can shoot the puck. So I would still take Cole Caulfield if I had the choice between those three guys. Now, if you would you have taken Boldy and Krebs over York? Uh, yes, I would have. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, Boldy though, like he's like he's another one of those players though where um, he's a little similar to Brink, but but Boldy has what Brink doesn't is more of that size advantage. Where I believe Boldy stands at around six two, but he still has those quick hands and that elite vision that um makes him a dangerous uh, both possession driver and a power play specialist. You know, he can just create along the wall. Whereas, and then addition to uh, Krebs, he's a very, like, well-rounded, versatile player, and he absolutely carried that Kootenai team. So um, both of those guys, I had them both slated as, they weren't going to slip out of my top 15 for this year. Um, whereas, like I said, with York, my, really my only, only concern was not having that dynamic skating or puck skills ability. Okay. See, I was, Krebs was probably my number two for based on where the Flyers were picking. Right. Uh, and a lot of it was how bad that team he played for, and he was still like pushing for the top ten. Yeah, I give him. I just give him. And he, I think the injury hurt him too. I think he could have gone higher. Yeah, it for sure did. There's um, no, there's no way he should have fallen all the way to seventeen. I think it was absolutely the injury that did it. Can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that uh that I watched Cole Caulfield or Cam York all year long. Uh, how much of Caulfield's success was due to playing with Jack Hughes. Do you think? Um, Not to take I away mean, from his skill set as a player, but does yeah. you know obviously playing with a guy like Hughes will that kind of pump your stats up a little bit? I I am interested to see how he performs away from Hughes this year at Wisconsin. But I mean, if you're if you if you saw the World Junior Showcase games from the past week, um, he was still lighting the lamp with okay. different linemates. I wanted to say he was playing with. Uh, Alex Turcott as his center, and he was still just wiring pucks from from the half from uh, from the boards, still doing his thing. Yeah, um, he really has can't miss like shooting potential with so how good he is. He's legit, then. Yeah, he's he's pretty legit. I I am curious to see if he can become a line driver at all, or if he can kind of develop that skill set where he's more of a puck carrier and can make his line mates better. But even if he doesn't, you just pair him with with a, with a playmaker. Um, I think he'll still be a dynamic goal scorer in the NHL. 
Okay. See, I see where you're getting at, Jimmy, but no, I want to no. see how I, I want to re- see how Jack Hughes performs away from Cole Caulfield. How's that? There you go. Well, he's got he's got uh, Nikita Gusev now, so probably he's a second line winger. Oh God! But I'm just saying, <laughs> 72 goals—that's like video game numbers, Jimmy. Come on, it's insane. It really <laughs> no, is. I'm not I'm not trying to take anything away from him. I'm just, I was just curious. You're just asking for the people. I understand. <laughs> So, so, um, how surprised were you when the Detroit Red Wings took the German guy, uh, Cider, I believe it is, number yeah. six overall? I know they liked him, but to actually go through with it that high, because I see you got him ranked at 18, and you're probably not alone on that. Yeah, um, I was pretty surprised, just like everybody else was, that Detroit stepped up and took him that early. But at the same time, I'm not surprised that a team was going to step up and take that kid that early, because there was a lot of buzz, especially around the combine, that. He was somebody that could maybe even creep into the top 10 with the way teams are looking at him because um, he has that, that rare skill set where he's 6'3", 6'4", right-handed shot, good mobility, um, a lot like a Colton Pareko type who just won the Stanley Cup with St. Louis. So it really wasn't too surprising to see him jump up, but I was still not expecting six overall at all, especially with some of the players that were still there for, for the Red Wings. He's German, man. Those guys, are they're all machines over there. All the athletes are machines. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're machines, all right. Uh, so, so, so last question on the like random players of the draft here. Uh, Spencer Knight was the first goalie to go. I believe he went like 16th overall, or no, 14th overall. I believe it was 13. Yeah. yeah, like right before the Flyers picked. Uh, I see you have him ranked at 28. Now, I, I don't know if certain guys get pumped up because they're goalies. If anything, in recent times, they've been taken later in the draft because they're goalies and they're voodoo. So you had them ranked significantly lower. Is there any particular reasons for that? Or is it because you think they're voodoo? I'm like, like you said, I am just a little wary on goaltenders and I would rather spend draft capital on uh, an elite skater than an elite goaltender, just because goaltenders are so tricky to figure out in terms of like, you know, like if you're taking a goalie in the top 15, you need to be really sure he's going to pan out. So that's really my only reason I would say. Um, this really is like a good time for goaltenders right now, though, because we had Spencer Knight in this past draft went 13th, and then next year we're going to have uh, Yaroslav Askarov as a name to know, who will probably go in the top 15 again as well. Oh, wow. Um, and then the year after that, yeah, you have Jesper Wallstead did the same thing, probably top 15 for a goaltender. Um, so I am very weary of taking a goaltender that high, but we are in almost the midst of like a goaltending renaissance where we're seeing this next wave of guys with a Carter Hart, and then you have Spencer Knight went to the top 15 now you have Asker up next year um so it is kind of interesting to see how um goaltenders are going to be valued in the draft moving forward because we have these elite seemingly can't miss guys coming through now yeah it seemed like we got carter hart and didn't i think you guys got blackwood uh both in the second mm-hmm. round yeah and now it seems like they're starting to jump up um all right, well, let me ask you about the rest of the Flyers draft. Uh, Third-round pick, Ronald Attar, defenseman. He's a little bit older, which was my – I didn't like that at first. But what was your take on this guy? Yeah, that's really the one reservation with um, with Adderd is that he was a 20-year-old playing in the USHL, which is a little uncommon. But um, it was kind of funny with Adderd this year. He kind of flipped a switch where in the past he was more of a big physical defenseman, and then this year he just decided – I'm going to carry the puck. I'm going to be an offensive player for my team. And he put up 30 goals in the USHL this year, which is really impressive for a defenseman. Um, but he, for a guy his size, I think he's 6'4", 6'5", somewhere around there. Um, he has really shockingly good hands. He can really make some plays with his hands. And 
he has an absolute bomb of a shot from the point. Um, he reminds me a lot of uh, Ryan Pulik, who plays for the Islanders right now, where um, you can kind of set him up at the top of your power play and just let him wire shots. So I could see him maybe eventually growing in a maybe a second, more likely third pair defenseman that you can put on your second power play. Interesting prospect that the Flyers got there in the third round. All right, so you think a good value for the third round? I think so, absolutely. Um, he was somebody I, I had ranked around, I think, 89 or so. Um, and like I said, that was really more so just because he was a 20-year-old playing in the USHL. So I will be very interested to see how he performs um, at Western Michigan next year in the NCAA. But um, he's a really interesting player with how much he produced as a defenseman in the USHL, which 30 goals for a defenseman, that's good at any level. Yeah, and you don't think it was anything with like a man playing man playing against boys? I know he's twenty; he's not really a man, but you know, there's like sixteen year olds in that league, so you know nothing like that really led to his stats. Or you think he just has he just started to put, he's starting to put it all together? I think I think it's kind of a mixture between the two because mm. it is uncommon to see a player that old still playing in the USHL. Most players by the time they're eighteen or nineteen usually graduate to college hockey coming out of the USHL. So I think there is kind of both aspects of it. But like like I said, this year he almost flipped a switch where he really found this new offensive gear to his game. Because I want to say before that, his highest point total in the USHL was maybe 11 points. And this year he jumped up to 64. So um, it really is a mixture of him being an older guy in a younger league, but also putting together more tools to his game. All right, fair enough. Well, in the fourth round, the Flyers again went defensemen simply because having four defensemen on their current roster under the – or five, if you include Morin, under the age of 25 means you need to immediately restock the defensive core. And they went with Mason Millen, 6'1", 175 pounds defenseman. Anything on this guy? Uh, he's more of a puck-moving guy. Uh, pretty mobile. Moves, he can uh, pass the puck really well, actually. Good first pass out of his own zone. Um I'm not sure I see a high-end offensive ceiling with him because his his shot leaves a little bit to desired and he doesn't get the puck through that often from the point. But in terms of just a puck-moving guy, I think you can maybe hope that someday it will turn into a decent third-pairing defenseman maybe if he can just keep uh, moving the puck well at higher levels as he graduates out of the OHL. You think that's his ceiling at this point, uh, sneak onto the team in a third-line role? That's what I would see right now unless he... Uh, can add a little bit more puck skills to his game and work on his shot. I, I think I think the best you're hoping for right now is maybe a, a third pair of puck moving guy. All right, I'll just ask you about one more guy because I I like his name so much. We're getting so deep into the draft, you know. Um, sixth round pick goaltender Roddy Ross. Uh, yeah, uh, Ross. He's, he has that NHL size that you like. I believe he's around six foot three or so. Um, and uh, this past season, the, he, he split between the uh, Alberta Junior Hockey League and the WHL. And he put up some pretty good numbers. I believe he had around a 920 in both leagues. Um, so I believe next season he's going to have a full year in the WHL. So I'm interested to see how he does in his first full year in the CHL. So I would say ask me in a year of how I feel about this kid, just because goalies are so hard to project, especially at the lower levels. That's a really good point, too. Yeah, okay. Um, so how, how well versed are you with guys that, uh, once the draft comes and goes, uh, and you know, I'm sure you've obviously follow the devils, but do you, do you really follow these guys, especially guys selected deeper in drafts, uh, with their NHL careers? Like, um, are there certain guys that intrigue you or do you have a general overall grasp on most of these guys? Cause you do so much friggin' research before the, uh, before the draft itself. Um, well, 
when you're watching these these junior leagues, like even after a player's year has passed, you still see them come up in other games. You can kind of keep a good track of them that way as well. So um, even though I do focus in more on the draft eligible guys, I feel like I do still have a pretty good grasp on the prospects that come through. And um, I mean, every year I love the World Juniors. Like that's like the best international hockey tournament. And that's a great way to see all the upcoming uh, prospects that have already been drafted. So nice. All right, well, then I'll ask you. Like Everybody around here knows the Morgan Frosts and the Joel Farabees, but mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you if you're somewhat well-versed with the Flyers prospects, is there anybody that you we have that you think is better than we give them credit for or maybe we don't know what we have? Any any names like that jump out at you? Well, uh, a player that I liked a lot, it was actually a seventh-round pick by the Flyers a few years ago, is uh, David Bernhardt. He's a Swedish defenseman. Around six foot three, I believe he made Sweden's uh, national team for the U20s a couple of years ago. Um, he's a six foot three guy, which with surprisingly good offensive skills as well, uh, good shot, and um, really like that's someone I've kept my eye on as someone that you can really get good value as a third round pick with the offensive skills that he has with that size. That's someone I've always kind of kept my eye on a little bit, is David Bernhardt. Wow, they, they took him in 2018, I think, right? No, uh, 16. Was it 16? Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, wow. I, that's like the last name I expected you to say. <laughs> but <laughs> that, that, I mean, simply because I don't know that much about, honestly, he was seventh-round pick two years ago, three years ago. I just didn't see that coming, that's all. <laughs> yeah, um, he, he's a, he's turned into a pretty good pro-level defenseman over in the SHL, like a pretty reliable, uh, I think, top-four defenseman over, for, I think he played for Voxo this year. And... um just has really good uh, puck skills and can move the puck really well out of his own zone with that size at six foot three, which, which you know, like a lot of teams cover, and it's pretty hard to find. Hey, wow. You know what I'm thinking with all these D coming up, Jack? So I think it's time to trade Provorov. Well, I'm thinking two things. I'm thinking <laughs> if he wants north of $8 million, you're right. No. And the other thing with all this D coming up, we probably should have went Caulfield in the first round. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for <laughs> uh, uh, you're not wrong. That's for damn sure. I'm just saying. Yeah, so uh, a lot of friggin' defense, man. It's what I mean. I don't know what the hell they're doing, but anyway, whatever. Um, let me ask you a few names. Uh, a couple of guys that got lost in the shuffle that we had higher hopes for at some point. Uh, they they still have plenty of time to make you know make their mark. So I'm just gonna ask because we have uh, camp battles now. So. Drafted in 2016, our first our first round pick, uh, German Rustov. What's your what's your take on German at this point? The germ. Uh, I always had a, some questions about German Rustov just because I wasn't sure how high end his offensive skill was, but I think he's someone that you can count on to maybe become a good third line center, that sort of thing, just because of how smart of a player he is. Um, really good two way player, makes good decisions with the puck. Um, I'm not sure you're ever going to see him be a top six contributor, like I said, but um, to absolutely rule him out as an NHL player in the future, I wouldn't do that as long as he stays healthy. Dude, I, Jack, I'm going to go out and I'm just going to throw this out there. Just judging by the way this roster is shaped up, man, I, I'm not sure. And I, I'm a big stuff guy. I, I'm not sure I ever see him having a consistent role on this Flyers team anymore. How about you? Uh, now that they signed, uh, what's his name? Uh, Hayes, like, and he, you know you're gonna have to. He's gonna have to play some wing or something. And you got Frost, Radcliffe, and Farabee all ahead of him. They really like Wade Allison. You know, if Bobby Bank comes up in two years, I don't know if that's a thing or anybody else jumps him on the depth chart. I, I don't. 
I don't know. I they I thought they would have moved. I thought they would have had a different offseason than they are right now. That's a <laughs> that's a pretty pretty. Uh, fair, I was nice hoping way to put that there. I was hoping for some more trades, like clear some space, make some room for the young kids, and instead they managed to spend draft capital, all their cap, and get older. So yeah, there you know, there's hey. really no room for a guy like Rubes, at least on this Flyers team, unless they. I mean, who, Lawton's a third line center, right? Four, well, it should fourth, be the fourth. Fourth line center. Who's our yeah. third line guy? Patrick. Patrick. Like so. Like there's really no room for for a Rubstoff. Not that I see. I mean, unless you throw him on a fourth line winger, some shit like that. I think there's too many other guys they want to see. And if any of these other kids make legitimate jumps, I mean, Rubstoff was playing really well before he got hurt. But if he's an injury prone guy, you might as well forget it. So that's why I think Ob Kubel, his this unless he has a hell of a season this year. I think he's probably going to be either a career phantom or he's going to get picked up by another team. I don't. There's too many other guys they want to see at this point. Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with uh, with Rubstoff. I think I think we both like him. It just doesn't. I just don't see a, a lane for him to play for the Flyers. Not anytime soon, anyway. Like yeah. a, have have a legit role, you know. Well, that, yeah, that's, yeah, that's my. That was kind of my point before. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying that that's um I think that's exactly right is I don't really think you can count out Rubsov as a prospect, but I just like you guys said, I question if he has a future with this Flyers team now because not only had have they brought in players above him, there's also been players in their own prospect depth chart that have passed him. Okay. Like if you look at at a Morgan Frost, like you would absolutely value Morgan Frost in your depth chart among like over a Rubsov. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say that Rubsov's a hopeless prospect or anything like that, but do I see a future with the Flyers? I'm honestly not sure anymore for Rubsov. I feel like if this team has any real success at the deadline, trade deadline, he could be dangled as trade bait to put for him, with him with a pick or something because I just don't see, yeah, like as we're saying, like he, he's got value, but if it's not on this team, you got you to gotta do something before he starts to fizzle out or I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's, it's a good problem to have, but at the same time it's not. So I don't know. Uh, but there's one player I can't wait to ask you about because he's probably the biggest head scratcher that Flyer selected in the first round in quite a while. And I think his stock is just some people are still high on him for some strange reason. I, I don't know. I don't want to get into it. But uh, see what you think. Jay O'Brien, our second round, our second first round pick of 2018. Uh, he had a very strange season last year. Did almost nothing. He was injured. Now he's in the BCHL or whatever and he's going taking the, he's taking the longest possible route he's going to be 34 years old before he comes to the flyers so like uh what is your take on good old jay well like you said it was kind of a strange pick if i'm being honest i believe in his draft year i had o'brien rated as around a third rounder um what i what i always saw in him was more more so like a two-way forward that could really shoot the puck and i'm not sure i see more than that where if he makes it it might not be anything more than a third liner, but the way he's going on his development is very strange because he's leaving Providence this year to go play for Penticton and the BCHL next year, like you said. Um, and I, I'm just not sure how much he'll have to learn there compared to what he would have learned playing in college hockey for next year. So, um, but I mean, there's always the possibility he finds his offensive game next year in P- Penticton and then brings it to BC the year after and he blows up and we're talking about him as a top prospect again in a year or two. But um, it is a little strange the way his development curve went after already being what I think a lot of people would consider to be a reach when he was selected by the Flyers. Sounds like they took a project in the first round. 
Yeah, that's I would I would describe it as pretty much that he was definitely a long term project, and we'll see where he goes and playing in uh, Junior A next year in Canada. The last time we did that, we wound up with Sammy Moran. He's played what four NHL games? <laughs> and now he was drafted in 2013. Like, come on, he's the next pronger man. Yeah, yeah, Pronger's going to be playing before he plays. No, I'm just kidding. Kidding. Sorry, Dan. That's what they said at the time. <laughs> you can't too much, you know. Uh, let me get into some goaltenders real quick here. Uh, one of the fastest goaltending uh, risers, I would say, uh, has been uh, Samuel Arison. Have you uh, – and he was considering he was a fifth-round pick in 2018, have you uh, – have any read on him and think he's – basically blossoming into what they thought he had a small chance of becoming? Well, um, he, he's definitely rised up a lot since he was drafted. And um, I believe he was Sweden starter for the, for the U-20s fairly recently and had a really good tournament. And um, something I, I like to look for with goaltenders, because they are kind of a hard thing to get a read on when you're really watching them and seeing what their tendencies are like, is I like to watch their body position and like their body language, I guess is a better way to put it. And Arison's a very poised netminder. Um, doesn't take too many unneeded movements, which really allows him to get in position to make a lot of saves. And he doesn't put himself in too many bad situations. Um, so really, he's a very like cerebral goaltender. Reads the play well. Um, he had a great year last year uh, in the Swedish second league, where I think he. Correct me if I'm wrong. He had like about a nine thirty. Whatever it was. Yeah. They were like bringing it up. So they yeah. Were- yeah, see, at the time I knew, but I just, <laughs> I knew it was good. Yeah. Um, outside of Hart, I would say Arison's the Flyers' top goaltending prospect, and I think he's a guy with legitimate, like, maybe not, like, high-end starter potential, but maybe, like, a good, like, 1A, 1B type of NHL goaltender in the future. Wow. All right, well, that brings me to my next question, because uh, I think we all thought it was, at least a couple of years ago, Hart was number one, and Felix Sandstrom was number two, but he seemed to have fallen off a bit. He's now 22 years old, and I'll just throw in another name there because they brought him over. Is used to Minko. They like his game. He's 20. Which of these two guys do you see either playing for the AHL Phantoms or making their way to the Flyers first? Like, which one do you think is on a better track? Well, I've always been a bigger fan of uh, Kirill Ustamenko. Um, I believe in his draft year, I had him ranked as either the second or th- my second or third top goalie in that draft year. Um, I just like the way he he has NHL size at around 6'3", uh, reads the play really well, puts himself in good position to make stops. Um, and he's had great numbers over in the MHL, over in Russia. So um, that's someone who I've had my eye on for a while, and I could see him having a good year. I believe he's coming to Lehigh next year, right? Uh, I think he might actually. Yeah, he's either, he's either going to play for them or the uh, ECHL team, just because I think they wanted to get him like, over from wherever. Yeah. And yeah, he'll just let him do it, you know, do his thing. I'm very interested to see how he transitions to North America with the different rink size, because that does have a effect on goaltenders as well. How they can read their angles playing in the different rink size compared to Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, that's someone I've, yeah, that's someone I've, I've actually liked quite a bit. And um, Sandstrom, I wouldn't necessarily say he's fallen off too much, but his his team over in Sweden kind of blocked him a little bit with the goaltending that uh. they brought in because he was mostly playing in more of a backup role for this past season. And he still had pretty good numbers. I think he was around a 9.15 or so, which is pretty good for the SHL. But um, he didn't get to play in a lot of games, only played around 15 games or so. So um, if they can get him into a different situation or if his team elevates him up to the starter for next season, I think that would 
uh, do wonders for his development because I still think he's a guy who has some upside. All right. Yeah, no, I do remember reading a lot about that. Uh, they were happy he was playing against men, but he wasn't getting enough playing time. Right. Um, all right, so the last goalie question last, only because I remember this guy being like the – people said he was the top goalie of that year's draft. Um, and they just – and I was shocked the Flyers got him in like the third round. Um, Maytek Tominko – Tomic? I'm sorry, Tomic. I read that wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 2015 third-round pick. He's 21 years old now. Um, I yeah, I think I think at least somebody that draft year at some point said he was the best goalie in the draft. I don't remember who else was drafted that year, um, but he's I haven't heard his name or anything about him in quite some time. Is he like a complete long shot at this point? I think that's relatively fair. Um, and I, I don't want to be too doom and gloom on this guy because goalies are voodoo and anything can happen. But um, I believe he only played in. I don't know, a handful of games last year, four or five, something like that in the NCAA and had pretty shoddy numbers. Um, and uh, next year, I think he's going back over to Europe, to Slovakia. Um, so I wouldn't really project him as a, as a future NHL guy, but um, a lot of the guys that we t- touched on before, I think the Flyers are actually fairly deep in net, so they can afford to maybe, I, I suppose, give up on a guy like Tomek. I think that's a bad word for it because you never want to completely give up on a prospect. But they have a lot of guys in the system that have definitely passed them with a, a Roddy Ross or Sandstrom, Erson, Ustamenko, even uh, Ivan Fedotov has put up good numbers over in Russia. Um, so in terms of seeing Matej Tomek turn into an NHL goalie, I would probably not cling on to those hopes. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to ask. I remember hearing he was like, oh, he should be really good. Oh, great. All right. Where'd he go? You know? Um, all right, so I'm going to throw out some centers here, and you tell me which ones you think are most likely have the best chance at at least seeing some time with the Flyers this year or going forward. Uh, first off is Vorobiev, which we already know he did see some time, and then pretty much shit the bed after that. Uh, one guy I know they like is Tanner Lozinski. Um, he's been making some noise. Uh, and then and then in a little bit further back, we have Connor Bunneman. And Pascal LeBurge, former second-round pick, devastating head injury. Uh, I, I don't know if he's got how – I've heard he's got his game back on track a little bit, but he is getting older now. Of those four names, do you see any of them coming – having a legitimate shot like next year or the year after that to you know do anything with the Flyers or at least put themselves in the position to be considered a, a top prospect? Well – I think it all depends on what role you want to put them into. Whereas, say you're looking for a guy can maybe fill in on your fourth line. I think maybe LaBerge has that best skill set because he's more of a two-way guy. But I think the guy with the highest upside would be Tanner Lizinski, where you can maybe hope that he eventually projects into hopefully a top six forward, something like that, with the offensive skill set that he has. And those he's had great production over in the NCAA as well. Um, but like uh, uh, Vorobiev, I've been a big fan of for a while. He's a really good playmaker. So like that's the kind of guy where I think he's ready for, for NHL time, but you need to put him in the right situation where I don't think he can fill in on your fourth line, but if you put him with some good skill players, he can maybe carve out a nice niche in your team. Um, and, and then uh, Connor Bunneman, I'm not sure I see that like high-end upside, so maybe like a third-line role will be good for him at some point where um, he can play good two-way hockey, and then he has a good shot to bury opportunities with. So I guess my answer for who would have the best chance to play games for the Flyers next year, I would probably go with Vorobiev, just because I think he's the most NHL-ready out of those four. That's fair. Okay. Um, 
I mean, if I keep up with this rate, I'm going to ask you about every single prospect we have. So I'll just, <laughs> I'll just do two more, and then we'll, then I'll be done. Um, so we heard a lot about Wade Allison, and the Flyers organization was super high on him, and we heard that he was worried about. We thought he was worried about playing time, but now it's really about the injury. If this kid can get healthy, how, and he does make his way up through the Flyers, how how good do you think he could be? Well, he's a really interesting guy because he has that goal scoring ability, but he's also more of like a tough, strong, almost power forward kind of player. Um, a player he reminded me of since his draft year is a little bit uh, JVR, actually. He's always reminded me of a little bit, where he can be that goal-scoring player, play down low in your power play, that sort of thing. Um, so really, if, if he develops the right way, and like you said, he could stay healthy, uh, I don't think it'd be unreasonable to see him as a maybe middle six NHL forward that could play on your power play as well. Okay. Um, and last question, um, we got a uh, draft signee, or undrafted signee last year, defenseman uh, Jaeger Zamula. Now, I liked what I originally saw, but you try to take it with a grain of salt. Um, has he improved enough where you could put him comfortably behind Cam York as the, number, the team's number two defensive prospect at this point? Um, I would probably place him number three. Three, I would say, behind York, and I, I'm a st- still a massive uh, Philippe Myers fan. Oh, but, um, oh, yeah, I'm not even. I didn't even count. Uh, he's yeah. once they, they like he's projected to just be a flyer. So yeah, I yeah. So well, I'm yeah. glad to hear you say that. So that's great. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I love I love Philippe Myers, yeah. but yeah, no, I anybody who's on the Flyers, I took off of this list. So I agree oh, with okay. you there. So we'll just yeah. okay. So if we say that way behind those two, but really nobody else. Yeah. Well, that's like a, that's like a great point, though, is uh, the Flyers have done a great job finding these undrafted guys and signing them to contracts. Um, Jaeger Zamula and uh, Philippe Myers, they're both I, I think they could, they could both be NHL defensemen and they didn't have to spend a draft pick on them. So that was a great job just finding value after these guys were undrafted. Um, and a, a, a guy like Zamula with uh, the offensive upside that he has with that six foot three size, it's not easy to find and um this upcoming year for the u20s i would expect him to be on team russia so that should be a good spot for him to get some key key uh minutes for that team as well so um i would definitely keep an eye on on zamula as this year drags along because he should be a a top player for his team over in red deer and should be a top player for russia at the u20s yeah that's a good point about the um you, them getting undrafted guys. It was some of the magic of Hextall. Everybody around here, including myself, is quick to hate on certain things that the way they were done and quick to love Fletcher for just doing anything. Uh, but it was these little moves here and certain contracts that were signed that uh, that we're going to miss, and we're going to miss it quick. So let me bring it to uh, the NHL. Well, first off, are there any uh, lingering Devils prospects that we need to be worried about? Because you guys flat out had a better offseason we did. And if you have any young guns coming up to, you know, help rush them along quicker, we could be in real trouble here. Well, um, even for next season, uh, the Devils have, have Jesper Boquist coming up. And um, the Gusev acquisition might make it a little tougher for Boquist to crack the Devils lineup this year. But uh, if he does, he looks like a real dynamic player. Um, he's somebody I had ranked as a first rounder in his draft year. And they were able to get him at, I believe, 35 in the second round. Um so should, should he make the team, I think he could be a real impact player for next year. How about, uh, is it is it Blackwood's net, or are they going to give Schneider another uh, shot at it? 
It's, it sounds like they're planning on rolling a 1A, 1B type situation with Blackwood and Schneider. Um, I think it's Blackwood's net to lose, though, just how he closed out last season. And um, even a lot of the players, after some of those games, they said that having Blackwood in net gave, just gave the team a, a lot more confidence. So I think if, he can, if Blackwood can come in early on in the season and you know, put up a solid first, I don't know, five to ten starts, I think that's his net. But I think as of now, they're kind of planning on doing maybe a, a 60-40 split between Blackwood and Schneider. But um, that really is the biggest question mark for the Devils right now is, are they going to be able to get that goaltending? Because I think they have a lot of quality, both up front and on the blue line now, with the additions of Hughes and Subban. Um, really, it's just, are they going to be able to get a save? Wayne Simmons. Yeah, him too. <laughs> just a throw-in at this point. Um <laughs> So that bring you know you brought it up you kind of alluded to it and I have to ask you I'll, I'll bring this out slow so what was your initial reaction to the Nikita Gusev trade? Uh, Gusev, someone I've been on for a while. I've been following him since he was a, a Tampa Bay Lightning draft pick. So like he was drafted by the Lightning back in 2012 and uh, really started to have big seasons around 2015 2016 around there. Um, and he's just a dynamic player. Just like the way he can create offense with his hands and his vision. Um, there's a reason why people have called him the best player outside of the NHL the past couple of years. Um, so I, I could see him coming into the NHL next year. And would it surprise me if he had 50 or 60 points? Not really. And um, it was after J- July 1st, I made a Twitter thread about how if I'm an NHL GM, I'm ringing George McPhee's phone off the hook for Nikita Gusev. So um, for me as a Devils fan, I'm, very excited to see Gusev in a Devils uniform next year. You so must, you must feel let me get good about yourself over there, Brandon. <laughs> you must feel really good. He's got, he's about to feel even better. Wait, you hear this question. So, <laughs> so essentially you guys gave up a second and a third. Oh form. my God. Here we go. We gave up a second and a third for Justin Braun. <laughs> Which player would you rather have? Uh, you know, Gusev. <laughs> Okay. Sure, you had to think long and hard about that one, huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not like like I don't know. A lot was made of Justin Braun after the trade, like people calling him a bum. He's not a bad defenseman. I don't think I would give up a second and a third for him. But if you put him in the right role, he can be a solid blue liner. Just if they're planning on slating him next to Provorov on the top pairing, then that's not going to go well. Yeah, I think my but, my complaint was it was value, and I think guys who like really like the draft care about that value because they like prospects. Right. So, so I'm like, why you, you're you up against a team who's right up against the cap and you offer them a premium for this guy. And it just blew my mind. Yeah. So that, that, that's my whole thing on value. You know, you can do other things with these assets than just draft. And that, that's what drove me a little nuts. Um, I don't know. Like I, say, and, we could do a whole episode about that right there. We could. <laughs> I had to re I had to refute refute that though I had to Brandon you hear me you hear me at all am I making any sense well in in response to just guys being blocking your roster I will say it's better to say have your your Morgan Frost your Joel Therabee win a spot in camp rather than be handed it so I I think it's better to look at Morgan Frost and say hey this spot is yours if you can beat out Raffle or if you can beat out Tyler Pitlick or that sort of thing and um. It can have it, it can have a good effect on just the way your season can just really have that upward trajectory if you have guys working their hardest in camp to win their spots and keep their spots. Like at the same time, like like you have you have 
Morgan Frost wants to knock Tyler Pitlick out of the lineup. Tyler Pitlick is going to be busting his ass to make sure he's staying in the lineup over Morgan Frost. So they get it. There is something to be said for having that internal competition as well, um, where I wouldn't necessarily say there's no chance that the Flyers are going to have a, a youth movement this year. I think it's more so them saying, like, our kids got got to earn it if they're going to be in our lineup this year. Come make the team. I, I noticed that you mentioned Frost. Um, I think a lot of, at least, at least this month anyway, it, it ch- kind of changes week to week, month to month where guys are high on Farabee making the roster or, or writers are coming out with stuff about Morgan Frost making the roster. Um, right now, everyone seems to be thinking Joel Farabee is going to be the guy that's making the team. Um, it sounds like you're more excited about Morgan Frost. Is this accurate? I, uh, I, would, I don't think it's too outlandish to call Morgan Frost one of the top 20 or so prospects in the league right now. Um, he really is a dynamic playmaking center, so... I think if the Flyers could find a spot for him in the top nine, that would do worlds for his development because there's there's nothing left for him to do in the OHL anymore. And granted, he could start developing in the AHL, but I think he's someone that you can throw in your third line and get power play time to, and he could work wonders for your team. Um, a, pl- a player that he reminds me a lot of, actually, is I'm, maybe I don't see as high of an upside, but just skill set-wise, he reminds me a lot of Evgeny Kuznetsov. So if you could find him ice time where he can really develop that at the NHL level. I think that's the way to go. Interesting. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess, you know, he lit up the OHL. I'm, I'm kind of wondering, like, he, he came up as a center. A lot of pe- There's a lot of people that are saying that they're not sure if he can play center in the NHL. Do you think he'll adjust to the wing? Uh, I think he could. Um, I think you, you see him work his – magic most like on, on the offensive side of the puck um typically on the power play from that right side half wall so um if you can give him maybe that that right wing spot next to say uh, oscar lindblom and a nolan patrick i think that'd be a good spot for him to start the year um really i don't think it's i don't think it's impossible he could turn into a center at the nhl level but um peak really could be an excellent winger if the, if the flyers decide to shift him there if they want to have their three centers down the middle to start the year as couturier hayes and patrick Okay. Um, how excited should uh, Flyer fans be for, you know, the, the prospect of Joel Farabee and Morgan Frost eventually playing for this team, maybe within the next, excuse me, in the, in the, within the next season or two? Well, um, and Farabee in particular, um, in his draft year, I, was, I wasn't so sold on his skill level and his puck skills. I saw him more as like a hardworking guy, but he's really won me over for the past couple of years. Um, he, uh, the way he's playing right now, he reminds me a lot of, uh, how Zach Parise looked in his, like in his prime where he had that speed, but he was also one of the hardest working players on the ice with excellent hands to match where you can make players look silly and tired or make moves on goal, on goaltenders. Um, so Farabee, I, I think could easily be a top six forward in the next year or two. I would say maybe two or three years where you see him really start to take off, but I would put a lot down to Farabee being a good NHL player. Yeah, one thing I did notice about you so far, you're comparing a lot of guys to uh, former New Jersey Devils over here. We got a, it's a, it's <laughs> we got just a Brian <laughs> Rafalski in the system. We got a Parise yeah. in the system. I'm, I'm joking. So with what you, you're man. saying is Carter Hart reminds you of Martin Brodeur. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me. There's one question I I really did want to ask you. I mean, do you think it's going to be? Uh, I mean, how many years do you think it's going to be before uh, Carter Hart breaks Brodeur's wins record? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
he's getting started early. That's what you need. So yeah, no, I'm joking with you, man. <laughs> we're, we're we're excited about uh, Hart for sure. We haven't had a goalie. I mean, since we've been alive, basically, Hextall, I think, was the last solid goalie. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean yep. that, that pretty much. <laughs> I mean, a guy that, that I've been intrigued with, I mean, we're coming up uh, on an hour here, but I, I really wanted to ask you about a guy like Isaac, uh, Isaac Radcliffe. I mean, I've been intrigued with the, you know, he's a big guy with size. He's got good hands. He can skate. We're hearing, you know, he's, I haven't really watched him play. Uh, we're hearing he's not so physical. I'm, I'm seeing JVR comparisons on Twitter and things like that. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about Isaac Radcliffe? Well, that was something that I had a criticism of, for him in his draft year was um, I'd, I would like to see him play with a little more bite, but I think he's really added that bite to his game over the past couple of years. And I think, the, I think Flyers fans are going to love that kid when he gets to the NHL because he's a big winger at around six foot six. He'd be a nightmare down low with how strong he is on pucks. And he's really added kind of that, that bite and that grit to his game, which is what I've, what I wanted from him when I first saw him playing in Guelph. And um, this past year, I think he had a 50-goal season for the Gulf Storm, which, like, that's no small feat in the OHL. So um, if, you can, if you can put that guy in front of your net on a power play and have him also be that, that tenacious, gritty player, um, he could absolutely have a future for the Flyers. That's, all, that's, that's awesome to hear. I mean, you know, you hear some positive things about him, and then obviously, like anybody else, you hear some negative things. And in, in Philly, I'm, I'm sure... Uh, same like New Jersey, we, we, we like to watch the physicality. If you're a six foot six guy, automatically everybody thinks, oh, he must be a big, tough guy. So then when you hear that that's not really his game, everyone's kind of like, oh, my God, we got another JVR. Like, like, like 30 goals isn't a big thing, you know what I mean? Right. So, I, You know, it's unfortunate. I have, a, I have a sneaking suspicion. I don't know how it's going to come down that Ratcliffe is going to get traded in some kind of deal. It just seems like they're reluctant to give up Farabee or Frost. And so, like, the next guy, is just it's just Radcliffe. And I think if some major deal goes down, especially if the Flyers are looking to add, I think Radcliffe's going to be involved in that deal. Well, he's a player that I think would definitely have some value around the league because, I mean, like I said, it's not easy to find a six foot six kid who can score, you know, like 50 goals in the OHL. That's uh, what I mean. It, it yeah. just seems like that they have Frost and Farabee in, like, tier one, and then Radcliffe's, like, number one of tier two. So if somebody's talking trade, oh, you can't touch these guys, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll dangle this guy. Right. And it's a shame because I think he could be good. And I, but I have I just have this feeling that if they do pull off a big trade with prospects involved, he'll be the number one prospect going back. Yeah, for sure, I could absolutely see that. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like something that the Devils personally are lacking in their system is that like big strong kid that you can put in front of your net. So like there's there's absolutely teams out there's absolutely teams out there though that would love to add a Ratcliffe. So if the Flyers were looking to make a big acquisition, like you said, I don't think I don't see them trading a Frost or a Farabee, but Ratcliffe probably would be the first one to go the other way if there's a team looking to add a big player like him. If I Fair can, enough, Brandon. If I can ask you, I mean, this guy's not a prospect anymore, but we saw a lot of Travis Sanheim last year. It seemed like he finally started hitting his stride. Uh, towards the middle of the year, once Hackstall kind of got, uh, got shown the door um, and, and Sanheim was able to play more minutes. Uh, what I look for with, with young guys when they kind of crack the roster, I, I kind of look for a, a slow trajectory, you know, a slow uh, where, they keep, where they continuously improve throughout the season. And, and I feel like we saw that with Sanheim last year. Uh, do you have any, any notes or do you remember doing any, uh, you know, writing about Travis Sanheim? Can, can you tell us what we should expect a little bit from him next year? Is that possible? Well, I, I always saw him as 
a, a two-way guy that can bring some offensive upside with that cannon of a shot that he has. And um, really where you started to see him falter when he was struggling a little bit in Lehigh was with that decision-making on the defensive side of the puck. And um, it seemed like last year he was really starting to find that consistency. So if he can just keep playing consistent in, in his two-way game, um, he can absolutely be a, like a, I would say, a, at least a second-pairing defenseman moving forward. Cool. Um, I wouldn't see him leapfrogging Provorov or anything like that because I love Ivan Provorov. But um, would you pay eight million say- dollars over eight years? Provorov? Yeah. Yeah, I think I would actually. I love well, Ivan Provorov. Brandon, let me ask you this because you've you followed a lot of prospects from before they were drafted through you know possibly even to some of them retiring, and you see the scale at which these guys get paid. Do you have to admit that this is a little ridiculous with these RFAs, particularly Marner maybe? I know he had a lot of points, but he's asking for money that it took Kane and Taze three Stanley Cups to get. Like, Mm -hmm. Do you have to have a little more service time and a little more production and uh, consistent production before you start asking for these outlandish numbers? Well, I I think it's just a changing mindset of how the league is viewing like their top players where like it's, it's a young man's game now and you're seeing these kids like come up when they're 20, 21 and they're the core players of the team. And I do think it's a smarter use of your money to pay a player through his prime years from when he's 22 to say 27, rather than pay a guy when he's 28 going through 35, because you're just going to get more value out of that money. So I would rather pay, like say like a Mitch Marner, like I'd rather pay him like ten and a half million dollars for like six years rather than paying like a twenty seven year old who's done it before, but will probably give you less value at the end of that contract. Really so, thought you were going to say Kevin Hayes right there. I'm not gonna uh, lie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I was waiting for it. Well, that, no, it's that's a, it's a really good point. And Jim, you remember Jim Dow brought that up when we were talking to him last week. He's like a player like me wouldn't really make it nowadays because teams are going with the young the young guns. You know, they're just they're getting those younger guys in there and going with them instead of latching on to a 36 year old for milking whatever they can out of them. Um, I guess my only uh, question to that would be, though. So how much are these teams worried about what they're what they're paying for? Isn't the real deal. If Mitch Marner were to go somewhere else and sign because, yeah, ten and a half million, like if he signed that tomorrow for six years, I mean, that's a lot of money. But I get it. He's looking for like. 12 million <laughs> like he's like yeah. going nuts and it's like tell me like he gets traded in some ridiculous thing and this team pays like uh, say he goes to ottawa it never happened but let's just say he does stay paying 12 million dollars for the max seven years whatever and it's him on an island by himself and they really can't afford much else because he's taken up you know 20 percent of their cap it's like how does a team so are they just going to be bad for the next seven years? And this is this is if he's, you know, he's relatively good, but not like incredibly good because he's playing with two of the best centers in the league. So it's like, where do you draw the line between? Yeah, you're young, you're good, we want you, and uh, you're not the greatest thing since sliced bread. And if we pay you like that, we don't get a return because you're so friggin' young. We're screwed. Right. Yeah, it, it is a balancing act for how these teams manage how they're going to evaluate value in these contracts um but like i at the same time i feel like with the guys you're seeing sign these massive like six seven year deals for like 11 million dollars when they're like young like i can't really fault the team for signing them like that player to that contract like i'll, I'll never fault 
like the, the Leafs for signing Austin Matthews for $11 million or for the Edmonton Oilers for signing Connor McDavid for 12 and a half. Um, because the, those are your core pieces and the players that are at that level where they can ask for that money, chances are they're going to be worth it. And if they are not in the future, then they've just, they've fallen off a cliff in a way that no one could really expect. Um, so I don't really fault teams for giving these younger RFAs or big paydays now because that's when they're going to be worth the most money in terms of how well they're going to be playing is in their younger years right now. Well, I definitely agree with you with the players you have named. It just seems like the line's being blurred a little bit of yeah. which, which players are that good, you know what I mean? Because even like, you know, we still got Konechny not signed. I don't think that'll be a big deal. But Provorov had two really good years, and then he had a bad year last year. You know, and the, really the, the agent's coming back and his like number one thing is, well, he play, he's playing a ton of minutes. Okay, well, this team sucks. So what does that really mean? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, listen, last year, I'd, I'd have paid him eight for eight. I wouldn't, wouldn't have thought twice about it. And I still think he's going to be good. But at this point, it's like, I don't know. I, I've never felt myself get frustrated. And Provorov is my favorite Flyers prospect they've ever had. You know, well, I think Carp eventually took that over. But I'm, my point is, like, I was all about this guy. Even before he was drafted, and the fact that they did wind up with him was fantastic. And it's like I'm—I feel like I'm souring, you know. I'm just like it's—it's just you're—they're just not taking into the fact that like you know Marner—he had a fantastic year, so at least you can have that. Provorov had a bad year, and the team has been terrible. Right. Like you know, and it's like I yes, you're worth money, no doubt. But Jesus, you come in asking like north of eight million. Whew, so I, I don't know, and you make a good point, and it's just I think, but we are seeing that like standstill. Like we're now in August. Yeah. It's not signed. McAvoy's not signed. Provorov's not signed on the defensive side, and on the offensive side, there's no Marner, Ratnan. You know, uh, has Point signed yet? I don't. I don't think so. You know, like, and it's like there's this real big standoff here, and I, I'm really curious to see how how it's going to come to a close. Yeah. Well. But- I mean, it sounds like Provorov doesn't have much of an appetite for this, but he does seem like almost like the ideal bridge candidate, where yeah. it's, he's, he's coming off of a down year where he may, may even be in his best interest to take a one- or two-year deal where he can elevate his value, and at the end of it say, all right, now I'm worth like $9 million for seven or eight years, where that, that kind of seems like the situation that Patrick Laine is in right now, where he had two years where he was one of the best goal scorers in the league, and then last year he went like a month or two without scoring a goal. So, like, um, those two players, they do seem like prime bridge candidates for me, but all these RFAs seem to be looking for the long six, seven, eight-year deal right now. So it is kind of interesting how the Flyers are going to toe that line with where they're going to go with Provorov. But um, if he had the appetite for it, I think he'd be an ideal bridge candidate. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's a little nerve-wracking. Uh, the one thing I will say about Fletcher is I'm glad he didn't just give in. Um but we'll move on from that. And I'll probably, I'll probably one of the last things we'll ask you here is, um, and I have to. So, uh, where do you see the Flyers and Devils finishing the season this year? Well, I, do I the can right see both. Thing, Brandon, say the What's right that? thing. I said, say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. Well, this, uh, this Metro Division is, it really is competitive. Like, I don't look at like the Flyers and the Devils division right now, and I don't, I don't see a single weak team in there. So it really is hard to predict where this division is going to shake out, but I could see both teams playing meaningful games in a March and April. Um, I'm, I'm expecting Provorov to have a bounce back year. Um, 
I don't love Hayes as a second line center, but I think he can do the job there if you give him the right line mates. Like if you give him a Jakub Voracek, I think he'd have a, he could have a good year there. Um, where, but like really, like there's not a single bad team in this division, so um, I'd have a hard time really picking any team in the Devils and Flyers division and say these guys are missing the playoffs or these guys are definitely making the playoffs outside of maybe like Washington. I would call a lock to make the playoffs. To everyone else, it's pretty much open season for those final playoff spots. Yeah. You know what that means for me real quick. I mean, that, that means that makes for fun hockey all year long. I mean, you got to sure. play four games against, I mean, how, how many teams are in the Metro seven? I mean, we won't, we won't even count Columbus cause everybody should have a win. They might go 0 and 82. We don't know. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you're playing four. I mean, if that's 28 games a year where you're playing insane hockey, I'm, I'm sorry, not 28, but that's, I mean, you're playing tough hockey. I mean, these teams, I think whoever's going to win the Cup this year is going to come out of the Metro because they're going to be playing playoff hockey all year long, basically, you know? Yeah, um, for sure. It's going to be a friggin' dogfight, man. Um, so we might not agree on who's going to finish higher in the standings, Devils or Flyers, but one thing that we can agree on is we all hate the, De- um, we all hate the Rangers, right? Yeah, that's pretty fair. How would you – I mean, because all – Real quick before we wrap up, and how would you rate their offseason? Because all we're hearing in Philadelphia is, you know, oh, my God, Artemi Panarin, or, or who's the defenseman they, that they traded for? I, his, his name is escaped. Uh, tr- Jacob Truba. I mean, that, that's all we were hearing down here is these flashy names. That's all we wanted down here was flashy names. I mean, are the Rangers going to be legit, do you think? Uh where I still have a big question mark with the Rangers is how strong they are down the middle. Um, Mika Zibanejad's great, but are, are they going to get a better year of development out of Philip Heedle? Are they going to get legitimate third-line minutes out of uh, Ryan Strom or Leah Anderson? That's really where I see their weakness compared to the rest of the division. Um, their, depth, their depth down the wing is pretty fantastic. When you got Artemi Panarin, Kako, Kreider, Buchnevich, um they can just roll with the punches on all all their forward lines with wingers, but um, I really think that games are won and lost um, on your blue line and down the middle. And I'm not, I'm not sure the Rangers have that center depth right now, the way the other some other teams in the division do. Love it. Um, yeah. So. And um, Lundqvist ain't getting any younger either. Yeah. Um, there's a lot. A lot of Rangers fans have been uh, talking up uh, Igor Shesterkin coming over, but. Um, I, I I have a hard time finding where he's going to fit in the lineup this year if they see him making the team this year. Because they already have Lundqvist, like you said, and they still have uh, Alexander Georgiev, who they like quite a bit as well. Yeah, he's been, he's been um, pretty solid. Yeah, which, like, th- it's a pretty good problem to have. I think the Rangers are still pretty good in net, which is an advantage they have over some other teams in the division. Like, I would take the Rangers in goal over the Devils in goal for sure. Wow. Um, but really, like... Yeah, that's my only reservation with the, with that Rangers team is I'm not sure if they have the depth down the middle to run with like a Pittsburgh or a Washington or something like that. All right, I mean, that's pretty much all, all I got for you, Brandon. Jack, you got anything else for Brandon before we wrap up? Uh, yeah, just one uh, important question. Myself and Jimmy play fantasy, and we have the number one and number two pick in the draft. Um, I really like Hughes, but right now I'm looking at Kappa. What do I got to Jimmy to get that first pick? <laughs> <laughs> don't tell him brandon <laughs> <laughs> all 
Oh, well, I mean, I don't know. I think you should just go Jack Hughes, number one. Am I right? Yeah. No, he, yeah, he's got him. I, I got to get that pick. I got, I got I mean, number two. Just, uh, just sell the farm. He's going to be, he's going to be, I mean, he's going to be a star. Wow. He really is. So <laughs> that's really good to hear. Actually. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're still not getting Carter Hall off me, Jimmy. <laughs> Brandon, it was awesome having you on, man. Um, you want to tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter? Uh, yeah, my handle is, uh, B Holmes underscore hockey. Um, you could, you could find my stuff over at Dobber prospects. I do prospect coverage, uh, for the lightning over there. And uh, I recently got taken on by DraftKick to help with their uh, NHL draft coverage. And then you can read my personal stuff over at Riding Pine. RidingPineHockey.com, right? Yep, correct. Guys, absolutely, absolutely recommend uh, heading over to RidingPineHockey.com. I'm going to actually check it, check it out again as soon as we wrap up here, to tell you the truth. Um, absolute pleasure having you on, man. I learned a lot during uh, this hour here. Um, hopefully you can have you on again. Hey, and if, if you're ever in South Jersey or whatever, for any reason, you're at a Flyers game, whatever, give us a ring, man. Let's hang out. It was cool having you Yeah, for you sure. On. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, I guys. Could, uh, I could pick your brain all day long, man, so I expect you here back. Uh, when's next year's draft? Twenty, Usually around 20th, 21st, so like we'll schedule something for the 18th of June next year. How's that sound? <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> More clear calendar, dude. Yeah, you're going to hear a lot from us, I think, Brandon. <laughs> so, yeah, once again, thank you. We're going to wrap this up, guys. Make sure you check us out. Um, next week we're going to have a special treat for you. We actually have a, a flyer slash phantoms prospect coming on. Um, we're just going to dangle that out there and, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of exciting things to come uh, month of August for high and wide radio. Uh, we're going to wrap up and, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.